Welcome to Prep Yourself with Podcast. Alexis Holzer and Danny Nelson. <sighs> Just kidding. This is not actually a live <laughs> recording. I know you're probably used to it by now. Yes. Yes. <gasps> go, Lex. Go, Danny. You're the sexiest person I've ever seen. <laughs> I want to prep you so hard. <laughs> Did you say you're going to prep me so hard? Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> that get you so hot. <laughs> um, we did get really fat heads by having a live podcast <laughs> and having people listen to us and watch us and laugh and clap mm-hmm. in real in real life. Yeah, that was real. Yeah, real fun. <laughs> they were probably just nervous for us. That's why they like <laughs> laughed and clapped. <laughs> They're like, these ladies are delusional. This is way worse than I thought it would be. (laughs) Good thing there's alcohol. Oh, yep. Actually, the only thing that helped everyone through that experience was the booze. Everybody, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. And also, um, Matt from the Office of Emergency Management. You can, if you haven't listened yet, you can listen to episode 14. Correct, which makes us 15. What? what? <laughs> We're like part-time podcasters. I am. <laughs> this takes up a lot of time. <laughs> it really does. So much time. Ugh. So much time. Uh, and also, I may have, you know, become a graphic designer. Yes. Now. In your other spare part-time. time. As in my other extra spare time. <laughs> uh, making some new banners and whatnot for us. Thanks to Stuart who helped us uh, not only take some very silly photos of us in matching uh, track suits. <laughs> Danny's the one with the unicorn head. <laughs> That's just my regular head. That's not like a mask or anything. That's why people tell you you have a face for radio. <laughs> yes. Yes, obviously. No, that's why they're like, oh, like... How are you always spreading glitter everywhere you go? And I'm like, well, I'm a unicorn. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Stuart helped us take some photos of not only us in those track suits, but also of a bunch of. Essentially, we cleared out our uh, packs and our survival packs, and he helped us take a bunch of photos and then Photoshop them and. He's a, he's essentially the most helpful friend of all time. We're like, should we really ask him to do this? Because this is a lot. And then he went the extra mile yeah. and gave us ginger ale while we was we were there. <laughs> we <laughs> was like, we were guests. Yeah. While he was doing all of the work. Talent and hospitality, one hundred. Yeah, we loved it. Thank, Thank you, Stuart. And Thank he's you, a photographer, Stuart. like yeah. for real life. So if you ever need photography, graphic design, Photoshop extraordinaire. Call Stuart. Call Stuart. Or call us, and then we'll call Stuart. Yeah. Or we're not going to give you our phone number, so go to our website. Facebook. Facebook. And then message us, and then we'll, like, weeks later find out that you messaged us, and then we will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they look really good. So thanks for doing that, Danny, and go check it out on our Facebook website. Or SoundCloud. So there's a couple of different versions. Oh, I haven't even seen this. I don't know. 
and then I also wanted to give a shout out to a long, long, long <laughs> 15 overdue. Episodes overdue. <laughs> Fifteen episodes overdue. <laughs> shout out to Sam who created our intro song. Oh, which well, apparently is called Danny's Tune. Danny Tune. No, Danny just Tune. Danny Tune. Just Danny Tune. Yeah. That sounds scary. <laughs> if I was like in a Jessica Rabbit, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit type situation. What? T-O-O-N instead oh. of T-U-N-E. <laughs> That's where the unicorn head comes in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Sam took me, like, literally one day I'm like, hey, are you bored and need an extra project? This is a lady who has, like, 10,000 projects at all times, so she never needs an extra project. But I I knew that it was out of my hands to be able to compose something because I don't play any instruments, and I've already, like, used up all of my instrumental <laughs> instrumental favors from other people. <laughs> and she was like, sure. And she got our... Um, other friend Laura involved. She, Laura actually goes and does recordings oh. and edits recordings of like out, outdoor sounds and stuff oh. for a living. And so Sam got Laura to to go and record a bunch of birds for her. <laughs> so all of that, all of these like layers of this recording um, and composition that she did were was like this whole project that she went into, and it was amazing. It was exactly yeah. what I wanted. I was like. I want like silly, lighthearted music, and then like an explosion. Apocalypse. Yeah, followed by like a, you know, like a bomb dropping explosion, and that like perfect. It was perfect in every way. Lex can sing it now perfectly every morning when I wake up. So Mike's like, no, we're getting a divorce. It's but thank you so much, Sam. We did not intend to wait 15 episodes to shout you out, but. Or maybe we did. We just really built it up. <laughs> we really wanted everyone scratching their heads like, who helped them? Because they are not capable wow. of that. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thanks, Sam. Um, so while we, in between our live episode and now, we had some adventures also. Yeah. In the world of preparedness. Yeah. One of which was that I went outside of my workplace, (laughs) which doesn't happen that often (laughs) during the day, went all the way to Pioneer Square in the middle of Seattle. So if you live in Seattle, that's a little bit south of downtown. <laughs> are you making fun of me? Nope. Because I feel like you I'm are. Just, I'm just giving facts. <laughs> um, the Office of Emergency Management and uh, the people who do the whole hub program and Quake Hold did this little, uh, you know, kind of set up this quake machine in the like middle of Pioneer Square assimilator so that you could go in and uh, experience up to an 8.1 or 8.0 earthquake. I laughed uncontrollably the whole time I was in I it. I love the video. It's so good. <laughs> Everyone's like, this is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did treat it as if I was on a roller coaster. <laughs> I was giddy. But also, when I walked up and I saw Matt, and I was, of course, I immediately went up to him and was like, thank you so much again for doing the, the podcast with us. He introduced me to some of his coworkers, and then all of a sudden, it was like I was a local celebrity. <laughs> like, of the, like, 
Of the, like, eight people who were standing around these booths, you know, kind of in the park, all of a sudden, like, everyone's, like, shaking my hand. The girls who came from my work with me, the girls who came from my work with me were laughing so hard. They were, like, doubled over laughing. They're like, what is happening right now? Like, they were having me, like, write down our contact information. No. They're like, please come and host a meeting with Shut us, up. which is such a compliment. Oh, my God. I'm crying. <laughs> it was It was amazing. I was uh, embarrassed and pleased and just... Like delighted that they that these people are so happy that we're doing this, mm-hmm. and it is very silly. Uh, awesome. But I uh, do think that they see it as a new and fun avenue of getting this very boring information out to people mm-hmm. because they've been working at it for years. Totally. So even for them, it <laughs> so just they becomes, love and hate us probably exactly. <laughs> And so it becomes so redundant for them, right? They're yeah. just trying and trying to push it, um, push the, the information out there because you can never say it enough. Like, people need to do mm-hmm. it, and it's so boring. Like, no one wants to think be, about it. No one wants to be downstairs in their basement with canned goods being like, and this is 150 calories per person <laughs> in the house, and then I have 10, so that's 1,500 calories. Well, I mean, we talk about yeah. doing it, but then Mike does it for you, and then uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Excusez-moi. I do some, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you do know. a lot. I know you do, you do so a, much. It's a joint effort. Yeah. Not at my place. Oh, my gosh. I know. See, you're oh. actually doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joint effort in the way that Leaf keeps our current life um, from falling apart by like doing things like fixing the garage. Yeah. Like putting a roof on it. Yeah. Like putting a so roof it can on it. actually garage. be a shelter if you need it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just like, but what about this mysterious time when a disaster hits? <laughs> I'm like over there making flyers and stuff for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool if the house oh falls apart. When it falls apart, we'll have so many supplies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, so. that is hilarious. I saw the video. If you guys, people listening, haven't seen it, it's so good. You guys are just laughing. And the guy running the thing, like the things I didn't think about, he's been driving this thing up and down the I-5 corridor for God knows how long. He just like has this look of like, I'm glad you're enjoying it. This is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and it is partially his job to distract you so that when they start the earthquake, you're like uh. not... Sitting there thinking that it's about to happen. Yeah. So he's very good at chatting. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's great at just kind of. Is oh, there a place that he stands in the truck where it's not shaking? Nope. Oh, that Every poor time. man. He's, he's a chiropractor. Over the time that he's been doing it, he estimated that he'd been through forty thousand earthquakes. Holy cow! So he better be prepared. Like so if prepared. he doesn't have a go. <laughs> Ready or shoes under his bed. Well, they also, the Quake Hold people also had survival, like a variety of survival gear, which a few people, like Kevin, uh, who's a really good friend of ours, met us down there, and he bought a little first aid kit oh, nice. or a little kit for his work. I think it was a first aid kit. 
for his work. And then our friend Jody also met us down there, and she bought a filter. I think it was like a water bottle that's kind of like a life straw, but it okay. was like inside of a water filter mm-hmm. uh, for her uh, go bag. And then what Quakehold does, their first ever product, so they have all kinds of survival products, but their mm-hmm. first ever product was this stuff that is kind of like, you know that tacky stuff that teachers use to like hang up papers? Mm-hmm. So they... Sticky tack. Yeah, sticky tack. Hot commodity in my sixth grade class. And so they... <laughs> <laughs> is it gum or is it sticky tack? We don't it's know. a little bit of both. Um, they, they, they use that in, as uh, specifically for earthquakes. So you would go around and put all of your things on your... Uh, like bookcases mm. and stuff, you would actually have them held there. Yeah. So instead of having them shake off, because right. most injuries from earthquakes stem from things falling on top of right. you, not so much. Like um, a bookshelf. Yeah. Not like your house collapsing, but things falling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that looked like so much fun. I'm glad you went. And thanks for thanks to Matt for... Letting us know about it. Absolutely. So uh, another time that we're going to get out of the house coming up, there Mm -hmm. is a... Yeah. uh, I saw today our friend Jasmine posted about a disaster relief event to benefit the Puerto Rico disaster uh, relief efforts. Uh, It's at La Isla Cuisine, which is in... Ballard, if you don't know where Ballard is, a little northwest of downtown Seattle. <laughs> um, and little, it's just, you know, there to the just west of Fremont. Little borough, Seattle. Uh, it's on kind of on the corner of 24th and Market, uh, but it's amazing. It's probably my favorite restaurant in all of Seattle. So while there are a lot of relief events happening in Seattle, in your city, or places you can donate online, which we encourage you to do if you can, uh, I'd rather go eat delicious Puerto Rican food while I do it. So that is on October 8th. It's from 12 p.m. in the afternoon until 10 p.m. at night. And so we'll just go there, have some tasty food and drinks. Um, it is my go-to for takeout food, too, if you like to what? do that. It, 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 it fares well on the drive to my house. So well, yeah, You live really <laughs> close to it. Yeah. Like For me, going to La Isla is like a, a, you know, a special occasion mm-hmm. because... Something I didn't know until I started eating at La Isla is that Puerto Rican food has a lot of garlic. Yeah. Uh, there's a em- strong emphasis on garlic uh-huh. intake in all of their dishes. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to be prepared for that. <laughs> oh, I'm always prepared for that. That is the one thing I'm always prepared for. <laughs> Prep yourself for some garlic. Okay. And some Done. smashed plantains. I'm perhaps. Smashed plantains. Smash- Plantains Ooh, yeah. fried with this garlic dipping sauce, like, and they do both give, kinds. They do like the the hard pressed ones mm-hmm. and the soft, sweet, yeah. mushy ones. Take my money, I want them. Give so it to bad. Puerto Rico. I'm down. So that's October eighth. We'll post that on our website too. And then after that, um, if you're not um, into eating food, maybe you're into going to the movies. Uh, October twentieth, I think it opens. Geostorm. Geostorm. So we first saw this preview when we went to go see Wonder Woman, and Danny was about four rows in front of me because you have to reserve your tickets now, which I think is so stupid. I actually like that. I like the seat reserving, but you do have to know exactly how many people are going with you because... You know, like if you're like if you jump from a group of three to a group of ten nope. in one day, which we did mm-hmm. on the Wonder Woman tickets, all of a sudden you don't get to sit together. Right. So we're four rows away, and there's this 
preview for Geostorm, and it's basically a worldwide natural disaster of every type that you could imagine. Volcanoes in the middle of the street, five tornadoes coming through your town, you know, everything. And so the premise of the movie is that these scientists have learned to control weather. I'm not sure why, I guess, to prevent disasters because we mess up the world so much. Or things like that, maybe. Yeah. Just control the weather for when you need it or when you don't. And things go horribly wrong. <laughs> and Gina Storm. But while I was turning around shouting at giving, I wasn't shouting. I was just giving Lex the shouting, the I'm excited like shouting down at eyes. Danny going, oh my god, we have to see this. <laughs> and we're, but the guy between me and Lex, that was directly behind me, who didn't know that I was talking to Lex, was very stunned at first until Lex like kind of vocally reacted, even though it was, like, loud. It was, like, whispering. But until she reacted, the guy was like, why is this lady, like, shouting at me? She's like, why is this talking to me? And then, wait, you want to see this movie? (laughs) (laughs) So, hopefully the weekend that it comes out, it comes out October 20th. So, Mm -hmm. maybe sometime that weekend, we're going to put up on Facebook a meetup. Yeah. So if, you want to, if you want to see it with us. Maybe we'll set up a booth outside the movie theater and rock <laughs> our podcast. Probably. Okay. <laughs> like, probably. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, also, between now and then, we have a little thing that we're going to do. I think that we'll review. We're not really going to talk too much about it. But hopefully we're going to get some practice on live recording. Uh-huh. And you guys will hear about it if we succeed. All right. Enough of this. No, mishmash. And, yeah, this mishmash of stuff and things that you could do or not do, and thank yeah. you, and hello, and goodbye, and mm-hmm. all of those you things. Can stop skipping now. Let's talk about animal preparedness. Ooh, ooh, prep your pet. Or eat your pet. <laughs> or a little bit of both. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not going to eat Dylan, who is my like longtime pet that I love. But I would raise pets that are specifically for eating. Yeah. Then you don't really call them pets, right? Yeah. I mean, no. You I call mean, them ingredients. You call them ingredients. So. So what? vegetarians, you might want to turn this off now. <laughs> well, maybe after the part that After I do. the next part, which okay. is going to, I think you'll love the most. So for this week's kind of media segment, what we decided to do was um, Lex was doing a little bit of traveling, as she does. Meh. And so we... You know, it wasn't very convenient to find, like, a movie or something like that that we were going to watch. And plus, it's kind of hard because most of the pet, like, rescue movies and stuff are not really around disaster. I was like, Milo and Otis. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, I'm like, yes, that's good. Babe the pig. Babe. <laughs> but they're not really Benji. disaster focused. So it was much easier for us to do a little bit of article, like, reading articles and for me, that eventually, of course, led me to YouTube. Of course. <laughs> because who can read? No one reads. <laughs> and so for this for this week, we picked we each picked our three favorite little stories that we found of animals participating in disaster rescues or sa- saving someone. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start? Sure. So this one's probably one that a lot of people have heard of. Uh, this dog is named Frida. And this is a dog that's part of the uh, Mexican Navy. Um, She's credited with rescuing 53 people, including 12 people in life-threatening situations after the earthquake in uh, Oaxaca this earlier, or I guess last month. 
Um, I literally just teared up. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you, we had already, we just talked about we this a few minutes ago because we, we both mentioned the ones that were probably the most popular mm-hmm. ones just to make sure we weren't doing the same ones. You just told me about it and I still teared up again. She's this adorable Labrador retriever. She wears these awesome goggles, which I've got to get some for Lulu, which she will hate. And these adorable <laughs> little booties. Um, and she and these other dogs, there's a lab and two uh, golden or um, two German shepherds. And they are able to go into these disaster areas, in this case, like buildings that have fallen down, and they can A, sniff out better than humans can if they can't at all. <laughs> but, I smell something rotting. Yeah, well, that, well, you didn't save a life yeah, then. <laughs> you did not. Um, so, But they can also get into those smaller areas where humans couldn't go. Um, so it's just adorable. Go look up Frida, the disaster rescue dog. She's all over Twitter and Instagram. I mean, she might be a national hero at this point. But I love Frida and, and uh, her... You know, the dogs get a lot of credit, but it's really, you know, people put a lot of time into them and working with them. Like, over years, you're not just going to take your dog and be like, go find them. For sure. This isn't like a lassie situation who got no training. It's just, like, amazing dog. Um, But, yeah, Frida, awesome. I like it. Yeah. So all of the ones that I'm going to talk about, I got from the same uh, video. I did read a bunch of articles that were... No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Okay, (laughs) a bunch for two. Okay, I did... A bunch was an exaggeration. I read two articles that I were like, these are kind of mediocre stories, but two of the stories that were in this video were also in one of the articles. And it was like, ten things. But I honestly didn't believe... The two oh, stories, really? <laughs> because until I watched the video and they actually had pictures and like they showed like the news coverage and stuff of it, and I was like, uh-huh. "Oh, wow, that's crazy." Okay. Uh, and then one of the articles I read, not this, was was like five children raised by monkeys. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> so it was five. Different stories of times when kids were, like, in traumatic situations or abandoned where monkeys took them and then helped them survive. Like Jungle Book. Like Jungle Book. Wait, that was wolves. The monkeys were bad. Never mind. But same. But the same kind of story. Okay. The same same kind of story. No, Tarzan. That's what I mean. Tarzan. (laughs) Tarzan. We know. Yeah. We know Kipling is. We know. I haven't read the book. We know stuff. Stuff. Um, so the, but the video, which we will put on our website, uh, Facebook is called 19 Unbelievable Animals That Saved Lives. And so my favorite, my number one favorite one was about this 12 year old girl who had been, uh, kidnapped from her village. And the video says she was 12. The article I read said that she was seven, but she was, she had been, and this is in Africa and she had been kidnapped and was trying to be forced to be married to, because it's a different society. It's gross. We don't want to talk about it, but she'd been kidnapped. And then when the police found her, she was surrounded by three male lions (gasps) who were, who would not initially let them approach her. So like, not only were they had they not what? touched her and not hurt her, but she told the police that they had chased away the men. So the men had like been shouting, and she was crying, like 
you know, like very passionately. And the lions came and scared them away and then kept her safe overnight until the police came. And then eventually the police were able to like extract the girl from the three male lions. My face right now. I know. I can and see how you would be like, no, that's I was not like, that true. Didn't, yeah, I was like, this article is not a real article. And plus it was from some like news source that I was like, I don't know what this is. But yeah. And they like had pictures of the girls and the police and stuff. Oh my or God. the girl the, and the police and stuff. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Okay. Animals are. You win. Animals are crazy. End of podcast. Except for, except for that wasn't really disaster other than for that little girl. But Just animals are amazing. Animals are amazing. What about your next puppy dog? Uh, well, this one's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Not like Frida saving 50 lives. No, this one I wouldn't even say is like a rescue dog, but this one also came from recent disaster, Hurricane Harvey. And you've probably seen this one too. I hadn't seen it before I started looking for these, but Otis the dog is a German Shepherd mix. Um, he was being taken care of by the grandfather of this boy who owned the dog, and he was in this enclosed area while the other family was being evacuated. So they left the dog with another family member who I don't think was like in immediate danger. Like it wasn't in a flood zone. They got a lot of rain and stuff, but somehow the dog got out of this screened in area and got loose. Well, they found it carrying around its own bag of food. Like it was like its own little go bag. (laughs) And people just saw this and, you know, got a lot of joy. And they're like, if a dog can do it, we can do it too. You know, just... A model of perseverance of the Texan spirit. That is uh, so yeah. funny. So, the, so was, they snapped dog. And the dog was around. recovered and returned to the owner, but it was pretty funny. There's this picture of this dog just like moseying down the street carrying his giant bag of food. That is amazing. <laughs> He's just like, I want to see what the haps is, but I'm not trying to leave my food behind. Right. That's like me. Yeah. So if uh, a dog can get its go bag together, you can get your go bag together. (laughs) (laughs) If it's just a 50-pound bag of morsels, then yes, I can do that. Oh, my gosh. The... Um, so you, you're going to notice everybody that none of my stories are about dogs. That was by design before we started that I was going to do non-dog stories. So it's not that I don't believe in puppies. I mean, Dylan has saved my life every day by looking at me and being adorable. And then my heart is like, oh, puppy, you're saving me again. Um, My (laughs) next story about an animal saving a person was this lady somewhere in Britain who was out, like, on her farmland. And all of a sudden she got charged by a one of her cows who was protecting its baby. She had mm. recently had a baby. And she charged her, not only charged her, but then started rolling over on top of her. And this lady had happened to ride her horse out on the pasture, like, when she went out. And as this uh, cow is, like, rolling over and she's screaming and stuff, her horse comes, manages not to step on her at all, and starts just kicking the crap out of the cow until he dislodged the cow and then she was able to roll like 20 feet away and like get under this other fence. Oh my God. And the, and then the, uh, the horse kept the cow from going back towards her. So it was like corralling the cow away from the lady. And I was just like, that's crazy to be able to recognize. I mean, obviously horses are smart. Mm -hmm. They're not that smart. Mules are smarter, but like, to have that kind of instinct to, like, make a decision to 
protect a human. Like, it's not your kid. It's not your, you know, but, like, that attachment Mm -hmm. I think is really cool. Well, I think that says a lot for her and how she took care of her horse and that created that bond that the horse will respond to. Yep. Dude, what the hell, cow? I know, cow. I'm a jerk. Like, that lady's just your mom, kind of. eat you now. Your farmer mom. Okay, I so like my, that one. my next one is about a dog again. And this one is also about Hurricane Harvey. And it's about Rocket, who is an energetic mutt who was once slated for euthanasia. No. Yeah, so this story is about how there are 11 rescue dogs that come from this area, or several areas in California, to Houston to help with recovery efforts. Um And so these dogs who were previously slated to be put down because of behavior issues or, you know, one reason or another, they can take those behavior issues. Like if they're just really energetic or they always want to play games, they train them to be rescue, search and rescue dogs. Um, And so Rocket... Rocket now works with the um, fire department. But this just brought me to another resource, the search, the National Disaster uh, Search Dog Foundation. And so this is a foundation that does this. They take dogs from kill shelters um, or dogs that are in peril for being euthanized and train them and put them in the, uh, connection with fire departments or FEMA rescue whatever it might be, and they do all kinds of rescue. They go in helicopters, they go in earthquake situations, flood, whatever it might be. So I thought that that was a really cool organization, and I might need a shirt from them, Aww. or I might need to donate to them at some point, because I think it's, it's just a really cool thing, and these dogs are so adorable. I mean... That's amazing. Yeah. I'm really glad, too, that it's like, you know, I think that there was a... You talked about, what is his name? Rocket. The Rocket works at the fire department. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's this whole vision of Dalmatians work with the fire department, mm-hmm. you know, and which is silly. Like, you don't need a purebred dog to do, like, what they're trying to get these dogs to do. Yeah. I mean, they said he was an obsessive border collie mix. Um, but with the right training, that energy can be a perfect attribute for a search and rescue dog. That's so cool. Yeah. So... He probably couldn't get enough, like, ball. Yeah. He's yeah. like, throw the ball. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. Throw I'm the like, ball. I can't throw the ball can't do it. more. Go find somebody. Um, my last little one, which was uh, one that I had remembered and was part of the reason that I found this, because I remembered that there was something about a baby elephant uh, rescuing a little girl. And it is a little unfortunate. The whole reason that the baby elephant was able to save this little girl it was in the 2004 uh uh, tsunami that was in Thailand, mm-hmm. the giant one that killed 200,000 people or something crazy like that. Uh, so extreme tragedy. Uh, there were a ton of animals that uh, lived through that tsunami that like in that were within villages that were completely wiped out because they went to higher ground. It was the first time that I ever saw something that was so documented about animals reaction in prerequisite to a major disaster happening mm-hmm. uh which was something that amongst an uh, actually other than the two articles i read i did read an article about animals who um what is it called have premonitions but not that's mm. not the word i'm looking for instincts 
Yeah, like animals who know like 24 hours in advance. Fortune tellers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a disaster. Uh, and there's like all of these examples throughout history of people writing about like all of the birds suddenly disappearing or mm-hmm. like all of the frogs suddenly going completely quiet and mm-hmm. like hiding out and stuff like that. So anyways, a bunch of that had happened in Thailand. This little girl was riding this little elephant. I know. It was like a... Don't ride elephants. It's bad. Yeah. Maybe in this case. Okay. I don't know if it's completely bad. I think that it is bad to ride an elephant on those giant contraptions. I think that my... The same way that people ride horses. Like, why can't you ride an elephant? Like Because they, like, beat the crap out of them. Yeah, but that's... That's the way that, that's like that's the tourist ones. The tourist that's ones. What I'm there's Don't also there's a huge huge thing in Thailand of the conservation of elephants mm-hmm. because here's part of the thing, though you going to ride the elephants at these places that are conservatories where they're trying really hard to make sure that they're not abused and all that kind of stuff enables them to keep big enough land plots for these elephants to have roaming territory and all of, you know, mm-hmm. Your interaction with those elephants then turn into the conservation of those animals. Do your research before you ride them. Do your research, for sure. Uh, But she was riding this this elephant on the beach when the tsunami happened, and then the elephant, like, ran her Uh essentially up out of the tsunami, Uh including he stopped at one point and, like, turned his body so that he could protect her from being hit from the wave. Like, Stop as they were coming it. out of it. Stop it. I know. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like, the elephant's like, I'm not going to let this little kid. And it was like a little kid. It was like a six-year-old mm-hmm. or something like that. And so she escaped the tsunami on the I'd love to see elephants pet. go into search and rescue in Houston. Yes. That would be. They're good swimmers. They're great swimmers. I did get to. I did ride on an elephant <gasps> and get to go swimming see? with an elephant. See? That's where it comes from. <laughs> But, I mean, that was part of our research when we were deciding if we were going to do it, is the whole. But I've always believed from my days of working in conservation that people have to have a personal interaction with something to want to save it. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of experiences. With that said, do I think that you should go pet a lion that's been filled with tranquilizers (laughs) to the point that it's, or that all of its teeth have been ripped out, all that stuff? Like, do your research. Do your research. Say no to tranquilized lions. Yeah, don't do that. And yes to lions that save girls from child marriage. Right? Isn't that crazy? Okay. I love those lions. Oh, so we're going to put up the 19 unbelievable animals that saved lives, and also we'll put up the uh, one of the articles about all of the puppies in Houston yeah. doing cool stuff. Yeah. Frida. Frida. I love it. I was happy to see that when I went and Googled Frida, the first many hits were Frida Kahlo. I was like, okay, good. Thank you, Internet. (laughs) (laughs) She's not that big of a star yet. Usurps are an amazing. And she was in Oaxaca. Frida was in Oaxaca. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Oaxaca earthquake. So, on to the meat of the story. More facts. So what we really wanted to talk about are two sides. One is prepping for your pet, and the mm-hmm. other is having animals that you keep that would be good for eating if yes. you were in a disaster situation. I'm going to do the save your animal part. Danny's going to do the eat your animal part. <laughs> Surprising. Yeah, Who would have ever thought? So weird. 
Um, okay, so I found my information from the ASPCA, as well as the Red Cross, as well as Survival Guide magazine. Thanks again to Martha for turning me on to that. Um, the magazine, big advertisement, lots of products <laughs> available for you to purchase. Um, some that are good, some that are like, okay, not really a survival situation. Like, you're not going to bring all this crap with you if you're needing to leave. But I think all of this in general is good. If you have a pet, here's how you should be prepared for bringing them to someone's house to take care of. Um, boarding them um, at your vet or kennel, whatever, um, as well as prepping to get out of town or stay in town, whatever. But the main issue is... you're. The main thought is if you're prepping for yourself, prep for every part of your family, which is your furry family members as well. So four main things, or I guess, yeah, four main things um, that we'll talk about. So first, if you have an animal in your house, put a sticker on your house somewhere that says, I have a pet. This is how many. This is the types of pets. Here are their names. Um, make sure you save them as well because chances are maybe you're not home and your house is on fire, then the fireman is going to know that there's a pet in there to save. Um, Number two, think about where you'll go with a pet. So if you need to evacuate, if you're going to go to a shelter, maybe that shelter doesn't accept animals. Make sure your vet does or understand what resources are out there. If it's not something like your vet or a kennel, who outside of the city can take care of your animal if you can't stay with them also or you need to go someplace else. Um, Hotels, motels outside the area that you could stay. But the main thing was, and this was all over, don't leave your pet. If it's not safe for you to stay, it's not safe for your, your pet to stay. Some people at work were saying that people in Houston just left their dogs tied up. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who does that? And then I read in Survival Guide, like, well, understanding when to take your pet and when not to take your pet is a hard dilemma. And I was like, no, it's not. You've got to take your pet if you don't go. Bird, reptile, hamster, dog, cat. Like, if you're going to have a pet, this is a responsibility that you need to I can understand. Here's here's where I could understand that, right? Rescue boats coming through a flooded area. They have eight spots. And they, which is, that's everyone's safety, you know, is, is in concern. And they come up to your house to pick you up, and there's two spots left, and you have two spots, your baby and a dog. And they're like, you can't bring that dog. I'll be like, well, then bye. I'm not leaving them. You would have leave Dylan. <laughs> but, you know, then that's the, well, then get out ahead of time and figure out what's your plan ahead of time. Yep. You know, what's your plan to evac? If you're not going to evac, well, maybe evac your dog first. Right. Come back home in case, you know, in case you end up in that kind of disaster situation. I've never been in this situation, so this is all theoretical. This is what the internet is telling me right now. Survival Guide magazine, I'm taking with a grain of salt. Because, <laughs> you know, knives and guns and stuff like that. <laughs> the, rest of, the rest of the advertisements. Oh, yeah. um, so know when you can take your pet or where. Yeah. Where to take your pet in an evacuation situation. I like it. Um, and then having your kit ready. So you definitely want to have your collars, IDs. Um, all of these websites recommended microchipping your animal if you haven't already. 
So that's a good way if they get lost or separated with from you in some way or you do need to shelter them somehow, that there's a good way to identify them. They also said keep photos of recent photos of you with your pet in this kit, um, you know, that you can have on you. So, again, if you get separated, they'll know, yes, this is your dog. Um, at first warning of any kind of disaster, including winter storms, bring your animals inside. Obviously, disaster being New Year's or Fourth of July, don't let your animal outside. Keep them there so you avoid a, a worse situation than what is already happening. Um, so a lot of information on first aid, but I couldn't find where your first aid for your animal would differ from first aid for humans. It's pretty similar. I mean, I'm always thinking of this in the context of a dog because that's what I have. So maybe first aid for a snake is a little bit different, I'm guessing. Yeah. But some sort of resources on hand that, you know, if it's just extra of what you have for yourself in terms of bandages or slings or um I guess ice packs if that's needed, stuff like that. Just have double for your animals as well. Um, but I also thought it would be good to talk to your vet about what you might need in that situation. They would probably have better information about just knowing you and your dog and what's possible in your area. What kind of um, stuff would you have on hand? Um, and suggested like flea and tick medication, deworming medication, because who knows what kind of situation will end up in the end after an emergency, after a disaster. Ticks could be a lot more prevalent, especially if you need to go into the woods. So you're going to want to have something for that or the dog gets into something they shouldn't eat, something rotten and get worms. And then you don't want to have to deal with that situation on top of keeping everybody else healthy. That makes me really sad thinking about <laughs> having worms. <laughs> yeah, no. if I had worms, I would just, okay, bye. I'm done. Can't have parasites. Mm. Um, you're going to want to have three to seven days of water and food for your dog. Or I said, whatever you're prepping for yourself, have that for your animal as well. So we're prepping for two weeks. Have two weeks of food and water on hand for your animal as well. Um, I was looking at um, high caloric value foods. So like regular dog food is good for the day to day. But if you're wanting to pack, you know, two weeks of food for a big dog is a lot of volume. So yeah, can you can you pare that down a little bit like to those wafers that are really high calorie um, food for dogs? And then you can have maybe a mix of it or canned food if you don't normally give that. Um, Do you have a dog backpack for... That's a... No, I don't. That's something that I'm going to ask for uh, for Christmas. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, again, that's a good thing. Like, if you're into outdoors, have that. And we've just never taken Lulu. She's kind of pansy in that way. She likes to hike, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how she would do (laughs) that. She's not in the wilderness. Yeah. So at least then she could carry at least, like, 10 pounds of food. Totally. Things that when you're already carrying... Mm -hmm. 50 pounds of food for you and your family and clothing and stuff. Yeah. Plus a bowl and their water bottle and toys, whatever, a blanket. Yeah. They need to do that. And then booties was another thing that goes along with that pack. But it's like, try this out ahead of time. (laughs) Don't just think you're going to put booties on your dog and be like, thanks so much. They're going to be like, what did you do to me? Plus dogs and booties is really cute. So funny. (laughs) Just just get them and try it. (laughs) But you want booties in case there's a lot of debris when you need to just even leave your house. You know, what if there's power line or broken glass or whatever it might be? 
um, you're going to want to protect your dog. And that's where the goggles come in too. But again, I can't imagine putting goggles on Lulu and her being okay with it. Can you imagine doing goggles? <laughs> you have to get a little Barbie-sized goggles for Dylan. <laughs> I have a, I do have a muzzle recently. My dog has decided to start biting people in the last year, and it's something that's really hard, and it's, like, progressively getting worse. It's not biting so much as nipping. It's just he's, like, more aggressive. So we have this little muzzle that we've started, like, training mm-hmm. on him, uh, but it looks like a dragon mouth. Oh, my gosh. Which is really funny. That's funny. So it's pretty of funny. Course. I don't I don't feel as bad putting it on him because I'm laughing the whole time. And then you're like, drug <laughs> I'm like, where are my dragons? Where are my dragons? <laughs> that's a good. That's another good one. Um, one of the things they said to keep with this, you know, um, medical records and photos is information about your dog's temperament. So any sort of obedience issues or um, dog on dog aggression or with kids or something, you're going to want to have that information just on hand, ready to go. So when you are not in a like sound state of mind dealing with everything, this is already ready to go. You could take it to a shelter. You could give it to somebody who's offered to take it in and just be like, hey, here's the 411 on my dog. Make him wear this dragon muzzle, or else we're going to have problems. Um, How about also how much he likes to hump other dogs' faces? Yeah, that would be good information. Specifically their face. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. I don't know why. He just likes it. (laughs) That's like his power move. That's like his power move. Wow. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to hump your face. That's nasty. Do you think I should start there, or do you think I should? I mean, I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, Moving on. There were other info or things to prep. Um, If you have a carrier for your dog, you know, any kind of travel carrier, maybe that is the go bag. You can stuff everything in there, take them, or have it next to where your stuff is, and you can just throw your cat in there or whatever and take them. Snakes can go in a pillowcase, apparently. (laughs) Oi. Um... You're definitely going to want to have, like, the, the dishes, the food dishes, water bottle. I have a water bottle that has a little trough attached to it, so you oh, fold it cool. out, and they can drink from it there, so you don't necessarily need another bowl for that. Um, extra leash, again, the meds, medical records. Um, for cats, they said disposable litter trays, like roast, like those tinfoil roasting pans. Oh, nice. Um, and then dish soap or disinfectant, garbage bags for cleanup, things like that. So I was thinking maybe like pee pads for a dog to have on hand so you can just like, if you have a crate for them, just put that in there. So just any situation where you don't have to worry about your dog, like they'll be safe. Yeah. probably won't be like super happy. Like will anybody be super right. happy? Yeah. Um, but anything you can do to keep them comfortable and keep them out of danger and not make other people in the area mad about them being there. Like, yeah. hey, why is your dog humping my dog's face? Could you not? And they're and they're like, like, I well, think he likes it. I'm not your sure. dog asked for it by bringing his face here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then lastly, like a blanket or something comforting, toys and treats to keep your dog comfortable, even if it isn't like super happy. Just try to keep it calm and show him that you care. Yeah. I think that's one of the nice things about having a smaller dog is, you know, it's like the, I can literally put him in my jacket. Yeah. I can't put Lulu in my jacket. You know. Yeah. Um, the other, so, so the um, ASPS, 
ASPCA website had other information for like horses, birds, reptiles. Um, and then they also have uh, an ASPCA app, which I downloaded. Oh, that's so I was cool. like, let me see what this is about. You can load your animal record, your animal medical records in there. So you don't have to have it on hand. You can just have it in the app. You could probably send it, you know, take screenshots, send it to your vet or whoever needs to take care of your animal in that situation. Um, and then it also has a good lost and found feature that you can say your dog is lost or um, help people find their dogs. And it also has good checklists to do to prep your animal, to what to do right before a storm or a disaster if you know it's coming, and then what to do during the disaster and then afterwards things to think about. So good checklists there um, to you know everything that I just rattled off is in the app so you can go there and and get prepped that way. And it also has a good feature with cute animals. I was like, it's like about ASPCA. I was like, oh. And then it just has this link that says cute animals, and it's a link to their Instagram feed. So if you just need really? a little pick-me-up. You, you know, just yeah. look at cute animals? Yeah. I have been all about the mini horses recently. I didn't see any mini horses on there, so maybe we shouldn't. That's been my, like, when I'm having a really tough, like, time at work or something's, like, a little <laughs> too stressful that shouldn't be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mini horses. They're so cute. And then baby mini horses. Oh, stop it. It's crazy. We'll look at some after we're done mini with Mini horses dressed up as unicorns. Yes. <laughs> Danny just died. <laughs> Let's do it immediately. Yeah. All um, I know, I don't really know anything about reality TV, but I do know that one of the Kardashians had a glitter pony at their, like, engagement party. Why not? It was a pony covered in glitter looking amazing. I'm sure the ASPCA has some things to say about that. Maybe PETA. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so then the Survival Guide magazine, they went into more of the training thing. So they're like, if you have a dog, make sure it's ready to be in a disaster. Make sure it has recall. Like, will the dog actually come to you when you say? And I'm like, Lulu, nope. <laughs> I have to say about 15 times and then I have to yell. Um, stay, heal. Are they, can they be alert in terms of like barking when they, when someone is there and you want to know when someone's there or can they be quiet when you don't want anyone to know you're there? Like this magazine is definitely like a, we've been invaded and everything is, you know, going to hell and I'm like, oh, okay. Every time I bring up that I do a preparedness podcast, first thing, there's, there's two things that might come out of their mouth. One is, oh, you mean like for zombies? And I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's a fictional thing, but maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> zombies. Um, or, oh, you mean like when World War Three happens? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like, why not like earthquake first? Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just go with like originally it's for an earthquake. Yeah. I just had a thought like maybe they're, maybe North Korea is waiting for earthquake to happen and then they'll hit us with the one too. I'm going to take that part out. Why are you always giving ideas? <laughs> Why are you always trying to give ideas? Kim Jong is a big, he's a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> like, all the time. All the time. Tweeting us, being like, tell me about it, ladies. And I'm like, we know all the facts about yeah. so many things. They're... Yeah, so there's a ton of products out there that you can buy for your animal, depending on how serious you want to be about it. You know, do you want to be Survival Guide magazine or do you want to be Red Cross prepared? Um, but, you know, the musts are food, a way to store that food so it doesn't get rotten. Um, 
water, obviously, medication, especially like the grooming things and things like tick, worm, anything that your dog takes on a regular basis. You'll want to talk to your vet about how do I keep this on hand or what are the repercussions of your dog not having that? Maybe you know that. Um, Leashes, collars, identification, um, and then having that medical info printed out or on your app or however you want to keep that. And I would throw in just the, this came up to me the other night with all the leashes and collars and stuff, the, we have a light up collar that Dylan wears at night. And I was thinking like, wow, like if I was in a nighttime scenario and I wasn't able to grab his leash, you know, because that light up collar is right next to the door in the very least, I know where he is around me because he'll have on the light up collar. And I, I hope in an emergency situation he'll stay next to me. We'll see what happens. Yeah. They had other other products that they had in this magazine. Um, obviously, the backpack, the booties, um, uh, collapsible bowls, you know, things that are easy to store and take with you. That's smart. Um, and then a bug blanket. Like, if you're in an area where there's lots of bugs, there's, like, oh, repellent yeah. blankets or beds that you can get. That might not be so easy to take with you, but if you have a car and you can get out. Or if you're just going out into the wilderness, how to be prepared to keep your dog safe. You know, not necessarily disaster, but, you know, just recreation-wise. Um, glow collar they put on there. And then a food vault, which is, like, a, you know canister type thing that would store your food cool you know so you could keep it long term what was that <laughs> LaCroix it's obviously LaCroix. it's no. LaCroix how much LaCroix would you need to get through two weeks two to three pallets I know right <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of insane. So I think that right. in the we'll eventually say that that was a lot of facts for Lex. That was so many I facts. I get a lot of I feedback from people like, so you don't you don't do a lot of facts. You're kind of just like peanut gallery. I'm like, well, I'm gonna fax the heck out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just in general, all of our podcasts? Yeah. Well, that's it's a comedy podcast. <laughs> Anyone who's tuning into this to get information, I hope that the number one thing you hear us saying is to go to other places to get information. <laughs> go to the ASPCA. Go to the Office yeah. of Emergency Management. Like, yeah. we are two very silly people. But you just give more facts than I do. Like, of the facts, you're 80% facts. I'm 20% facts. I think that you're 80% of the delightfulness. <laughs> and I am 20% of... It's only a reflection of you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw that back at me. Don't throw it back. So I'm going to kind of rattle off a little bit through this eating your animals thing. I think that we will end up doing a more extended uh, you know, version of this. But hey, if there's a disaster next week, I'd rather you know... If you're going to spend your last ducats on some an investment <laughs> in an animal, like because you're you know that we're going to have to like hunker down for a while, at least you have some kind of information and then later we'll talk kind of more in depth about it because there's all sorts of things to get into like what is right for the place where you live? Like do you live in an urban area in an apartment in that kind of situation and are we going through like a long-term drought like something like uh, where you're dealing with, uh, where you have enough time to plan what you're going to start raising and that sort of thing. And that's, that's like, for instance, depression era, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of uh, disaster. And then uh, 
Or like, what is, you know, if you have like a lot of land, what's really easy for you to just raise wild on your land. And then what, you know, takes kind of the, the, the least amount of uh, work, you know, as far as keeping food on hand and that sort of thing. What I'm going to focus on today is kind of the middle ground of that, which is the five top uh, livestock. This is uh, the one of the the article that I found that did it the best was this one that was called Five Best Livestock Animals for Preppers. Uh, they definitely are oftentimes on this website on the like everything's been taken over. This is the end of times. Right. Uh, but I think they did a great job on this, and a lot of the other ones were kind of too heavy. Like they wanted to go through like ten pages of facts about raising chickens, and you're like, well. I'm still reading the Shiva. I don't have time for this. We don't have time when the Seattle Shiva is 280 pages. That each page takes me three days to read. Like, I just need to know some basic facts. Um, uh, I do love that they refer to the end of the world as T-E-O-T. Wow. W-T-E-O-T-W, the end of the world. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I know what that is. Uh, and that also now I've been doing this long enough that when I see those, I'm like, oh, that must be what it means. <laughs> so on there, the top one, which I would actually on not on this list, but I'm going to list it first because me myself, I think bees are probably one of the mm. top things that you could be raising very easily in your house right now. Not it, in your house. Not in your house. At your house. <laughs> in your house we don't, I don't know what you're into how many bedrooms do you have <laughs> oh don't go in there that's where bees live that's my bee room that's my bee room you don't want to be in there um <laughs> but that you can it the, if you live in Seattle, there are several organizations that will take care of hives that you keep on your land, yeah. including UW and uh, Seattle Beekeepers and place, places like that. They also will come and teach you how to do it yourself, depending on how much your interest is. But the amount of honey that you get for the amount of work you do is insane. It is something that is going to help you with preservation of other foods and then in the long term if you're in a disaster situation. And then honey is, unto itself is very healthy for you mm-hmm. and tastes delicious. And then when you talk about trading goods, it is going to be something that's really easy for you to trade. And you also can make mead with it. So... So there's that. It's really important that you get them booze. Yeah. And so no- in Hawaii, honey is huge. So there was so many like $32 jars of honey that I wanted to buy. And then I was like, that's a lot of money for that little jar of honey. That's a lot of money for a little jar of honey. And then we were taking a walk along the beach. And just like right out on this lava rock beach, precariously perched on this big lava rock with more lava rocks on top of it we were walking up we're like what is that it was just this box and we got up i was like that's a beehive yeah so there was this beehive right on the ocean in between there and this golf course but i guess it makes sense because all of these plumeria and hibiscus and all these beautiful flowers that obviously probably taste really great to honeys and make really great sorry Tastes really great to all these bees and make really great honey. (laughs) (laughs) These honeys. Um, Yeah, it made a lot of sense. So you can. You can barter very well for that. And bees travel up to five miles. So finding them in some, finding a hive in some weird spot that doesn't seem like there's a lot of flowers and stuff is Mm -hmm. 
wouldn't be surprising to me. Cool. Uh, so then, so among all of them, all five of these were hit on in every article that I've looked at. Poultry is going to be your top thing. The amount of uh, food that you need to raise chickens, turkeys, ducks, quails, geese, pigeons, all of these things that have been livestock for thousands of years, uh, they're very easy to keep because they will eat a broad range of bugs and grasses and kind of like scraps, vegetable scraps and that sort of thing. Although you do have to be careful about which vegetables you're, you're giving to them. They have been for a long time kept on those. Now here's, and you're going to be eating their eggs and they're going to provide you with meat and that sort of thing. Feathers for your pillows. These are exactly. And here are some of the things though that are concerns about that. One is that it is, all of these birds are not, two years is kind of the max production area for any, any laying bird. And then they're kind of just meat after that. So, well, they're always meat. I mean, we're all made of meat. (laughs) But while they're producing, you want to keep them for for the eggs. Some of them are, like, really have the need, like, turkeys and ducks to hide their eggs. Like, so that's part of their process. You need to have a really big area where they live, and then it's a little more work to find their eggs, whereas chickens like to lay their eggs in the same places every time. Here's the thing, though. If you want to be eating your chickens, you do need to feed them a specifically condensed diet. So you need to either have like a lot of corn or like uh, specific like hard grains like that where they're getting a lot of high calorie um, nutrition and glucose and stuff so that it fattens them up. Whereas, you know, so it kind of depends on what are you trying to get out of them. Are you trying to fatten them up so that you're eating them for their meat? Are you trying to keep them healthy just so they're laying eggs for you? That's something that you have to consider when you look at what kind of feed that you keep around and what you're going to store for the long term. So if your plan is like, I'm keeping half of these for laying hens and half of them I'm fattening up just to eat, you need to know that there's like several kinds of food that you need to put in store. Uh, to keep those. So how do the chickens feel when they're, like, on the Nutrisystem plan as opposed to the chickens who just get to eat what they want? I mean, when they're on, like, the Nutrisystem plan, they're like, yes, I feel really good about myself. I'm making all my life goals happen, like, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they're just eating normally, they're like, food is delicious. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Look uh, at those skinny chickens over there. Yeah. They're so dumb. Like, skinny chickens don't know anything about they're anything. Like, crack, what else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got it. You know, okay. uh, you didn't even have to research any of this. You already no. know. Yeah. It's and- just instinctual for me. <laughs> Probably the biggest bang for your buck that you're going to get are rabbits. Mm. The, uh, the amount that they need to eat and like what they're willing to eat, which is grass and weeds and all of that kind of stuff. Carrots. Carrots, of course. are big on carrots. Uh, that's what I learned from... Looney Tunes. Yeah, from Looney Tunes. But they will eat a ton of stuff, uh, and then they reproduce. So their guess on here is that one buck oh. and, and four does, uh, three or four does, can raise enough meat to feed your family for an entire year. Dude. So five rabbits can reproduce enough to feed... Every single person in your family. I'm guessing like a four-person family. Uh, It's crazy. They reproduce something. They can, depending on, reproduce somewhere around 50 rabbits. Oh, my God. 
a year. Having produced one offspring, props. <laughs> props. 50 a year. Uh, and of course, they're delicious. A lot of, I don't know if you've had rabbit before, yeah. but it is, you know, slightly gamier than chicken, but like a richer, kind of more flame, flavorful yeah. game. I'm meat. allergic to duck. So if I'm going to oh, have something that like feels a little bit more exotic compared to chicken, I guess rabbit would be my go-to. But nice. I don't like have it a lot, maybe a couple of times in my life. But you could do like rabbit stew, you rabbit go- drumsticks, rabbit tacos, rabbit tacos, <laughs> anything you want. Uh, pigs is another one that is really great that you can really easily um, raise. They eat anything. Yeah, of course, you are going to need more space. Both chickens, like the all of the fowl ca- category. Uh, chickens and things like that, you can keep them in kind of a smaller space. Things like ducks and turkeys, you're going to need to have them in a movable cage. Mm. Uh, If you live on giant pieces of land, raising turkeys is really easy. They have a lot of their own defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then again, they they need to be in a large space, so people might steal them. Other people might steal them and that sort of thing. But chickens and rabbits and stuff can be in a very small contained in area. In the city, too. In the city. I'm not thinking you can raise pigs in uh, Ballard. Well, it depends on how many people are still around when you're in when you're in Ballard. <laughs> I mean, base. if they all left the city, let's just say best case scenario. Everybody leaves. They just walked away. They're like, finally. Yeah. God. Finally, I can afford a house in Ballard, Seattle. <laughs> with some pigs. <laughs> um, here's the thing with pigs. Pigs can be very violent at times, so you have to be really careful about that. So if you're going to domesticate pigs, you're going to make sure that when they're babies, you uh, take out their uh, canine teeth uh, to reduce that danger from them. And also you want to make sure that they do spend some time with humans so that they're a little bit humanized Mm because otherwise you have to hunt them the same way you would any wild animal because they are highly defensive if they're left to be completely wild. Um, they're really smart, so you also have to have, like, extraordinary, like, you have to invest a lot more in your fencing and all of that kind of stuff than you do some of the other animals. Um, a sow can raise two litters of six to 14 pigs in a year. Whoa. So that's pretty, that's another reason why they're really great. sow impressive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the part right. Don't do facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're also like not. They're kind of same as humans when it comes to temperature. So you know, like they they do need some kind of indoor area if it's going to be too cold. The thing with um, pigs to get them to their full growth, and this isn't in this article. It's in another one that I read. They need to eat up to a thousand pounds of food to reach their full growth potential. Over how long? Uh, over over a year. To, for, if you want to fully grow them. Some of the piglets you'll probably eat when they're younger. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if you want it to become a full-grown pig, they're going to need about a 1,000 I really hope we don't get here. I don't <laughs> want to kill a piglet. Um, then goats is another one. Once again, one of the great reasons for goats is that goats uh, eat Almost anything. Like they'll eat brambles, they'll eat grass, they'll, you know, they can roam your around. Deck. That, yeah, <laughs> your, de- your clothes, like yeah. whatever, they will eat all of them. Uh, they also, they need to be able to roam around, but they can actually live in a fairly small space in general. But the best thing about goats is their milk. 
The yeah. milk of goats is actually uh, one of the only milks that could be uh, substituted for breast milk. Uh, I gave Lily a lot of goat's milk yogurt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this is one of the only cow's milk you can't do that with. Like it needs to be yeah. not that kids can't have cow's milk, but it doesn't substitute for right. breast milk. Right. Goat's We're not milk supposed to does. give cow's milk, whole right. cow's milk, any milk until they're one. Right. And so, the, but goat's milk, you can substitute at any time. One of the drawbacks, and of course you can eat goats, you know, a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of cultures um, have a culture of eating goats and they'll have two or three kids per year. And then, uh, so that's also great reproduction. One of the downsides is they will only milk for about a year. Mm. So once they've hit adulthood, there's only about a year that you can milk them. So that is uh, uh, an important thing to remember. But if they're also having kids and you're rotating through your stock, that sort of thing is really important. Uh, They have a lot of goats in Hawaii where we were. Oh, nice. Kona. A lot of wild goats. So I was like riding my bike along this lava field, and then there's just like five goats there. I was like, "Oh, hi!" Are they invasive? I know there's pigs. I know there's a lot of problems with pigs in Hawaii being invasive. I don't know in Kona so much, but I don't know if they're invasive. They must be. It's not like they just grew goats. And I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, are they being taken care of through natural predators? Or are they like uh, spreading hard like wildfire? Hard to tell because there's a lot of wild goats, and yeah. they just you know because they can go on any type of terrain really. So they grow over these lava fields that are like really jagged that you can't really walk across, and there's yeah. just like goats hanging out there. And then they have a lot of they have domesticated ones too that they use for goat's milk, and they had like local cheeses available. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the last one that was on all of the lists were horses. Horses are both expensive to feed, uh, and also you do need uh, very specific training around them. You yeah. you are not likely to just find a horse and naturally know how you're supposed to take care of them. No. They are big. They can hurt you, all that stuff. But if you are familiar with them and you do know a lot about horses, they're actually a great way, a great thing to have, mostly because, one, you can eat them if you ever needed to. But they are, if we are in a situation where there's no more gas, you're now not only able to travel for one, but you can create a cart. So you're able to bring two or three members of your family um, to be traveling around and whatnot. Also, if it is just you and you're being set upon, like, uh, you know, if you want to stay away from roadways and stuff, you can be on really diverse terrain uh, traveling with a horse. But it does allow you to put in quite a bit more mileage uh, than you could if you were just walking with all of your supplies and stuff. So that, that was in all of the list. Horses were listed because of their uh, kind of abilities. But there are other carrier animals, too, that I would say take a lot less upkeep, like llamas and mm. things like that. I think that these lists in particular dealt more with anim- like familiar U.S. domesticated animals more mm-hmm. so than in other countries. Uh, but horses did rate really high up there for disaster situations. And they're still used quite a bit in things like wildland forest fires and things mm-hmm. like that when you have to go out with uh, and find... In you know, in backcountry situations, like in like, Canada, yep, mm-hmm. Calvary, all of those things. What are they? Mounties, the Mounties, the Mounties. But I mean, I think that's a good summary of all of the kind of domesticated animals that would be really helpful in those situations. Of course, we'll talk more about this uh, some other time and get maybe more into depth 
with some of the other animals or how you might keep them in your yard. Like, how do you create your own mini farm? I would get, like, some fish, make a pond. It it is quite an upkeep for a small... Like, if you were going to make a pond in an urban area, so there's all these hydroponic Uh uh, things that people do, which are really cool these days. The Mm -hmm. science around hydroponics is amazing, and I actually got to see an experimentation that... Um, my former housemate Christian did where he was growing plants. So there was fish on mm-hmm. the bottom layer, and then those fish were feeding into fl- the plants that were growing Fertilizer. above it. So it was fertilizing them and water. So there was like this circular water system and the oxygen uh, between from all the plants them. would oxygenate the water. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, unfortunately, the fish ended up dying. He didn't, like, it's a lot to experiment with. Like, they're still figuring out the right proportion of, like, how you take care of it, how you take care of both the fish and the plants and all that stuff. But it was really cool. And it, I mean, it wasn't, like, they died immediately. I mean, it it worked for a long time. Mm -hmm. But you have to be very vigilant. And especially in the Pacific Northwest, mold grows fast here. The temperature, the wetness, all of that kind of stuff feeds into it really fast. So you have to kind of have knowledge around how to treat that in a organic, productive way in a closed system. I was thinking more tide pool. I definitely, that's something I definitely know nothing about. Yeah, I don't either. But making my way to a hatchery, if I do, if I'm like, you know, I end up in one of those like last man standing situations (laughs) where all of a sudden everyone's gone but me. Like, maybe something like Contagion where everybody dies and then I'm the only one who, like, somehow <laughs> I, I have the immunity to it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be all that LaCroix. <laughs> Probably all the LaCroix. <laughs> and Reaper. <laughs> Just Must the be all that LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I live in Washington. Must be all that LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I have to say about that. Wow. Uh, I think that was a lot. We did, we, this was a high episode in facts. I'm on facts overload. We should just end it. Yeah, I agree. So for our next episode, we'll have no facts. No, none. We're just going to talk about about. movies we like. (laughs) We're just going to watch Milo and Otis. (laughs) We're just going to take a bunch of photos with our pets and then talk about the best photos (laughs) that we did with our pets. No, I think for our next uh, episode, we're going to talk about disaster relief uh, organizations. So we're going to talk a little bit about what is the difference between the organizations, what you should expect in a disaster, like who would be responding. And then also just, uh, you know, kind of go down the rabbit hole a little bit on how they use their funds and, you know, our our personal, the personal opinion of two silly ladies of where you might best spend your money you could just donate to our podcast <laughs> facebook.com slash prep yourself or prep and, yourself and podcast donate, I, can't remember. I mean just make a comment yeah or like that's our currency you also can send us presents like we accept presents yeah for sure some fan art <laughs> does, it count? does it count when you ask for it <laughs> i think so I'm going to make a picture of Lex and put it up because <laughs> I'm a fan. Yay. But thank you all so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you learned some stuff. Don't forget, I know we talked about dogs a lot, but cats, this translates over into cats too. And by that, I mean I'll eat your cats. 
Ew. Stringy. Too stringy. Do you think? Yeah. There's a lot of anger in those cats. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Slowly but surely. Say it. (laughs) Keep surviving. (laughs) Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.